Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Good morning. I hope all of you are doing well. And what a great day just to be worshiping together. As you know, we're continuing to do the live streaming. And we're hoping that in about a week or so that the Hong Kong government will lift the ban so we can come together and to worship. But uh, it's just a great privilege to be able to enter into your home and speak the word of God to you. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 13. We'll be looking at Acts chapter 13. We're going to start from verse 46 all the way through 49. If you have our church app, you have the notes there. You could just kind of follow along. And hopefully uh, today's message will be an encouragement to you and a blessing to you. As you know, we've uh, started off this whole uh, series, The Return, and we started off on Easter and we talked about the importance of the return and this return of hope, especially in situations that we're in right now, that there's a great need for hope in our lives. And we said it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we're able to have this kind of hope. And then last week we talked about the return of love and how Jesus Christ will come back and he will come back in any moment, but we might not know when, but he will come back and take us home to spend the rest of eternity with him. And today I want to talk about the return of purpose and talking more about specifically the mission that God has given to us, especially For us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we know some of you who are watching have yet to make that decision to follow Christ. But for those of us who are believers, that we believe that we live every single day with purpose. And so as we start off, I wanted to ask a question. I'm wondering how many of you believe that you have a strong sense of purpose? Maybe a better way to look at it is that every single morning that you wake up, You wake up knowing exactly what it is that you are called to do and what it is that God wants you to do, and you're excited about this and you want to do this. And let me just say that a lot of times for people, uh, the problem is that when we think about purpose is that we cannot fully answer that question. I think the reason why is that for many of us, we don't really know what it is that we're called to do, but also we just don't like the things that we're doing. For, for some of us, you might be in jobs that you hate. And these are things that you wake up every morning and you're dreading the idea of going to work or even just working at home. For some of us, you might be in a major, if you're a student, you might be in a major that you just do not like. And here you are trying to finish off your homework and all your projects, even though you don't like that major. So a lot of times for many people, There are things that we're doing right now that we don't really see a great sense of purpose and the reason why we're doing it. But to find true purpose in life, we have to first start with God. I like what Rick Warren said in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He writes this, Without God, life has no purpose, and without purpose, life has no meaning. Without meaning, life has no significance or hope. And so, Everything starts with God, and until we understand that, then a lot of times it's going to lead us to the spiral of trying to understand, God, what is my purpose in life? What is it that you've created me to do? I think the problem with many of us is that we start with ourselves. We start looking more inward rather than looking at God and say, well, God, 
What is the purpose that you have for me? And that's why we have to start by asking questions such as this, or these. Uh, what is God's purpose for human beings? Uh, how did God create me? Or why did he create me? And what are some things that will bring glory and honor to God? The Westminster Confession of Faith in the Shorter Catechism, uh, it, it asks the question, what is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer to that is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Therefore, the why for you and I, those of us who are Christ followers, should be that we have this desire to enjoy God and just the pleasures of knowing Him and knowing that He knows us and then to glorify Him in, in all that we do. I wanted to take this time and show you this video. Uh, many of you know Steve Harvey. As you know, he's uh, not only a, a, a TV host um, in his own show, but he also hosts the Family Feud, which is a family a game that's on TV. And one of the things that he talks a lot about, because he's a, he's a believer in Jesus Christ, is this having this sense of purpose. And living out your destiny. And I just wanted to kind of show you this. And listen carefully. It's just a montage of a lot of different talks that he has given. But it's kind of put together. So I want you to listen to it. And listen to what he says about hope. So let's watch this together. What were you born to do? I don't know if that video encouraged you. Or maybe made you think. As Christ followers, we're born to worship God and to glorify Him, to do His will, to bring Him honor. Therefore, anything that is on the heart of God should be part of what we are called to do. That's part of our purpose. That's what God desires for us. And when we do it in obedience to His will, that's when He is exalted above all other things. And I want to share a little bit about that as we talk about one aspect of God's purpose and doing His will, which is to fulfill the Great Commission, and which is simply to make disciples of all nations. Let me read to you a quote by Willem Visserhoot. He's a Dutch theologian. He makes this point. He says this, The command to witness to Christ is given to every member of His church. It is a commission given to the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. When the church recognizes that it exists for the world, there arises a passionate concern that the blessings of the gospel of Christ should be brought to every land and to every man and woman. And this is the reason why as we experience this gospel in our lives and with people around us that we love and we care for, it is my hope and prayer that as a church we will understand what our purpose is. And through that, you will begin to understand even your own personal purpose and the things that God wants you to do. So let me go ahead and just give us the one thing, the one thing that I want you to remember as we talk about the return of purpose. And the one thing is simply this, that God gave us a mission to fulfill. So let us passionately do His will. So God has given us a mission to fulfill, and therefore we have to be passionate in doing His will. Uh, there are two things I want to talk about in regards to God's mission. Uh, a lot of times when we talk about purpose and when we talk about what we ought to do, 
we forget the heart of God and the reason behind why He gave us this as a purpose in our lives. So I want to talk about two things about God's mission that we have to understand so that we can passionately do His will. The first thing is this. I want to talk about the intent of God's mission. If you want to look at it, the goal or the aim of God's mission. And what is the intent of God's mission? Uh, hopefully if you've turned to Acts chapter 13, and let me just kind of at least start from the beginning. I'm not going to read it, but let me try to summarize this for you. In the beginning of this chapter, the church in Antioch, what they did was they ended up in the time of worship and prayer they, and fasting, they ended up sending Paul and Barnabas out to go forth and preach the gospel because the Holy Spirit spoke to them as they were in worship and in prayer. And then in verse 16, all the way through verse 41, you see that Paul and Barnabas, they go into um, a synagogue on the Sabbath day to share the gospel message. And it's interesting because they open up the book of the law and the prophets. For them, that was back then their Bible. And so they were reading from this and everything that they were reading, they were pointing it to Jesus Christ. And that's why they were sharing in the synagogue that your true Messiah that you're waiting for is already here. He has died and rose again from the dead. In fact, it was a very offensive message because he says, this Jesus, this Messiah, you have condemned, you have killed, and then he has, not only did he die, but he rose again from the dead. And as they were listening to this message, this gospel message, we see here that people begged them to come back the next Sabbath. In verse 44, we notice that almost the whole city, after one week later, a whole city, almost every single person gathered together to hear the word of God. But we also see that there were some Jews who were angry because they started seeing the crowd and they began to argue with Paul and Barnabas. And this is where we come to the passage that I want to read for us. And so chapter 13, verse 46, and I'm going to go ahead from verse 46 through uh, 47. So let me go ahead and read it. It says this, And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So what we notice here, in order for us to understand the intent of God's mission, there are a couple things that we see from these two verses. The first thing is, we have to understand God. we have to understand God's priority. In verse 46, as we have just read, here's Paul and Barnabas, and listen to what they said. They said, it was necessary for the word of God to be spoken to you first, referring to the Jewish people. In other translations, let me help you to understand this verse. It's important. It says in the NIV, we had to. The message translation says it was required. And then the passion translation says we were compelled to. And so you see this sense of urgency and priority that the gospel had to be first preached to the Jewish people and then to the rest of the world. Now, why is this important? Because it goes back to God's purpose and what he wanted for the Israelite people. 
That's why in verse 47 that we just read, Paul ends up quoting the prophet Isaiah. And that's where it comes from, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And if you will, read the yellow highlighted uh, with those of you who are in uh, the room and watching together with some people. Why don't you read it together in the highlighted? Even if you're by yourself, you can go ahead and read it out loud. It says this. He says, referring to God, God says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you alive for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So we see right here that this was the plan of God. That through the preaching of this gospel message to the Jewish people, that they will embrace the true Messiah, and through that, they will be a light to the Gentiles. This has been God's plan from the beginning. That's why even Abraham, if you remember in Genesis chapter 12, verse 13 in the NIV, and read the yellow section with me, it says this, I will bless those who bless you, and those uh, whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So once again, God decided to choose Abraham. And from this lineage, we see that he was going to bring this message of hope and the gospel message through Abraham and his descendants and anyone that, that God blesses, and as they bless them, that they were going to be a blessing to other people. Now, ultimately, it was Jesus that was going to completely fulfill this promise. Let me just help you to see. We're trying to make the connections here so that we can understand what it is, what's the intent of God's mission. Ultimately, it was Jesus who fulfilled this promise. If you remember Simeon, and when Jesus was born, and when he was of a certain age, we notice that he was brought to the temple. And here's Simeon, and also you will notice if you read the Luke account, that there was a, a lady named Anna, and they were there waiting for this promised Messiah. And so listen to what Simeon said as he saw Jesus and be, uh, decided to hold him. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 2, verse 29 through 32 in the New Living Translation. Once again, read the yellow highlighted with me. It says this, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people, he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and He is the glory of your people, Israel. So once again, Abraham had this calling of being a blessing to the nations. The Israelite people, that was their calling. That was God's plan, intended plan, that through the Israelite people, that the true Messiah will be proclaimed. And then we see when Jesus Christ came, he was a fulfillment of this. And even Simeon, when he was holding Jesus, he said that this was the person, that he, the light that was to be revealed to the nations. Now, what does that mean for us? Now, as followers of Christ, we are part of this mission, to be a light to the world. How do we know that? Once again, in the Word of God, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, in the ESV, read the yellow highlighted with me. It says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. 
in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do you see God's heart, God's plan, God's purpose? That from the beginning of time, this is what he was doing. And not only choosing Abraham and the Israelite people, and through that Jesus finally came. And then that commission is given to us, that we are the light of the world, that we are supposed to go forth, and through our good deeds, they will see not only God, but they will praise God who is in heaven. So what does that mean for us today? I'm wondering if you understand God's intent and His goal for His mission. Do you understand that salvation that many of us have received by grace and grace alone? It's not something that we keep to ourselves, but it's something that we have to share with other people because we are called to be a light in a dark place. I'm wondering if you've made God's mission a priority. For many of us, we're so busy with so many other things about our lives. And this is the reason why some of us, we, we just have a difficult time not only getting up in the morning, but we, we try to find significance in what it is that we're doing, and we can't, and we feel so empty in our hearts. I'm wondering if God is trying to reorient our minds to help us to see the true purpose in life, that this is God's heart, that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we are now called with a higher purpose, and that everything that we do, we bring glory to Him, that we are called to shine the light and be people who will bring the message of Jesus Christ to the world. I want us to just think about this for a moment. So we're talking about how there's a mission that we have to fulfill. That God desires to do this. And so that part of that calling is that we're going to passionately do His will in fulfilling that. And for us to understand, we have to first understand the intent. The intent of God's mission. And we first talked about God's priority. This is a priority first to the Jews than to the whole nation. Now, I want to quickly just pause and kind of shift a little bit and help us to look at God's providence. So that's the subpart that I want to talk about here. Not only God's priority, but God's providence. Now, it's very important that we see in verse 46b, 46 Bravo, just as the Jews heard this gospel message, you will notice that they rejected this message. Then Paul and Barnabas said that the Jews are unworthy of eternal life. It's kind of interesting that they said that. And that they were going to now, Paul and Barnabas, they're going to turn to the Gentiles who were the non-Jews. Now, let me read verse 46 Bravo in the message translation to help you to understand this a little bit more. It says this, but seeing that you want no part of it, you made it quite clear that you have no taste or inclination for eternal life. The door is open to all the outsiders, and we're on our way through it. So what Paul and Barnabas is saying is simply this. That this is God's heart. This is, it's his priority. But now God, in his providence, he is now using the rejection of Jesus being the Messiah and rejecting this gospel message so that now the message will go out to the Gentiles. Now, what I find really interesting 
is that the calling for the Jewish people to be a light to the Gentiles was now being fulfilled by the rejection of the gospel. Now, think about this for a moment. So here's Paul and Barnabas as they were going to the Jews because it was a priority. But then because they rejected this message, now they are going to the Gentiles and preaching the gospel. This shows us that God is still in control and that He in His providence, He will accomplish His will and purpose for His glory. Now, I've been using this word providence uh, what does that phrase mean? The providence of God. Let me give you the evangelical dictionary of the Bible definition of the word providence. It says this, Providence then is the sovereign divine superintentions of all things, guiding them towards their divinely predetermined end in a way that is consistent with their created nature, all to the glory and praise of God. This divine, sovereign, benevolent control of all things by God is the underlying premise of everything that is taught in Scripture. Uh, I hope you kind of got a glimpse of what this author is saying. A providence is that God in His intended, predetermined, He will do everything and anything to accomplish His goal, to accomplish His mission. So even when people reject him, he will still use that to accomplish his goal for his glory. Now, one of the things that I tell people every time we talk about sovereignty of God, the providence of God, is that we have to avoid the two extremes. And one is a fatalistic perspective, and the other is a little bit more of a deterministic perspective. So fatalistic is, well, God is in control. I, there's nothing that I could change and alter, so I don't have to do anything. So we just kind of get very fatalistic. And a lot of times that leads to lack of responsibility and it causes us to be lazy and not to have this conviction to do what God wants us to do. He wants us to be participants in what He's doing. The other side that I've seen a lot of people, and especially in Asia, as I talked about this time and time again, it is really operating on a human paradigm. That it's all about what I can do. And I don't know how many times we have to come to a point that there are so many instances where we have tried and it just never works out. And that's why because, once again, God in His sovereignty, in His control, He is bringing situations and things so that His greater plan can be accomplished in our lives. So it's not a fatalistic thing, nor is it a deterministic thing, but it's something somewhere in the middle where there's God's sovereignty, human responsibility, working hand in hand. This is why we have to believe that everything that happens in this world, God is still in control and He's going to use it for something greater. You know, as I was thinking about this whole situation, uh, I don't know about you, I was sharing with some of the leaders recently that I've been kind of getting very fatigued, uh, just um, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. And I'm realizing that much more I need to be in prayer and be in the presence of God but just because as I was thinking about like, you know, I have these different meetings and things going on. But I realized just being on these phone conferences and meeting after meeting, it just somehow it just drains you. And so as I was thinking about this, I realized like, yeah, that's that's one of the downsides of everything that has happened. Uh, I'd rather meet people face to face. But just the situation where we have to do everything through video. 
And as I was kind of sitting there and thinking about, well, what are some of the good that has come forth from this whole situation of the lockdown and the ban that we can't congregate more than four people in a space? And as I was kind of thinking about it, I realized this, this is kind of like the providence of God. Is that he's using something. It doesn't mean that he created evil because he doesn't create evil. But he's using something that from the fallenness of our humanity and also even in our own lives, in our sinful nature, in our rebellion, that he's actually can use in his providence, he can use different things to accomplish his greater good or the greater goal that he has for us. So I was just thinking, I, I, I was just kind of doing some research and I found out that one of the good things of this lockdown and everything kind of shutting down is that pollution is is in a very low level, like for 20 years. I forgot the exact number that they had. So let me show you a picture from India. And the first picture you'll see, and this is a northern India as you're looking at this picture right now. And a little bit of a haze in the background, you will see that that is the Himalayas. That's the Himalayan mountains back there. But this is a picture prior to the lockdown. Now, I want you to look at the after picture. If you look very carefully, you can actually see a little bit more clearly the Himalayan mountains in the background. And so this literally happened in several weeks when all the cars and all the moving around, all the factories, everything that was going on, as things shut down, that the pollution level uh, has decreased, not just in India, in many other countries. And so I was thinking, God, that's like, that's your providence. You're using something for something that's great. And then I was thinking about just all the kindness and people, and I'm not saying everybody, but uh, there's a lot of racism and other stuff going on in different parts of the world. But just hearing these stories of people helping each other, especially those who are elderly, who need the most help and who are vulnerable. There are people delivering food and doing all these things. And I was just thinking, wow, it's just this global citizenship uh, many of us understanding to learn how to love people, learn how to love our neighbors. And then I was thinking, what else is there that's coming out of this whole situation? I realized creativity is at an all-time high because you're stuck and you're trying to figure out, like, how am I going to do this or what should I do? So a lot of creative things were happening, and I was just reading up on one thing. And if you look at this picture, you will notice that here is somebody who actually built a picnic table for a squirrel. And if you look at this, it's kind of funny, but the creativity of someone of just making a picnic table so when the squirrel comes to eat the food, it looks like he's actually having a picnic. Uh, I was thinking about the church and how more than ever that we've been able to share the gospel online. In fact, a lot of pastors and people are sharing how they have more people hearing the gospel message compared to if they just had a Sunday celebration. That more people are coming online, watching it. Uh, people who might not normally step into a church, they're actually watching and listening to the gospel message, looking for hope, looking for love, looking for a sense of purpose. There are people who watch it after it's recorded, uh, going live, and then they watch it later. So we're, we're seeing a lot more people being engaged with the gospel message. And not just from that particular city, but all over the world, people are logging in and checking in. 
That's why J. Vernon McGee, in his book, Through the Bible, he writes this as I continue to talk about providence. He says, Providence means that the hand of God is in the glove of human events. When God is not at the steering wheel, He is the backseat driver. He is the coach who calls the signals from the bench. Providence is the unseen rudder on the ship of state. God is the pilot at the wheel during the night watch. As someone once said, He makes great doors swing on little hinges. God brought together a little baby's cry and a woman's heart down by the Nile River when Pharaoh's daughter went to bathe. The Lord pinched little Moses and let out a yell. The cry reached the heart of the princess and God used it to change the destiny of a people. That was providence. That was the hand of God. That's why when you begin to understand just the intent of God's mission, the priority and the providence, you will begin to see that God, He is doing something beyond what we can see right here and right now. That's why the challenge for us is, are you willing to trust Him? Do you understand that He is trying to do something in your life? I know that some of us are struggling with trying to find a job. Some of us are in the process of maybe even losing a job or being laid off. There are a lot of things that are going on, even at some of you who, are, uh, who have kids at home and now you have to go through the homeschooling or just teaching on or studying online and so many other changes that are happening. The question is, have you paused for a moment and say, God, what is it that you're doing? I'm wondering if some of us, as you're watching this, that you've forgotten the purposes of God. You've forgotten why God brought you to Hong Kong. Maybe you've forgotten why God placed you at that job. Maybe some of you have forgotten why God placed you at that school or in that neighborhood. Maybe some of the decisions you made in the past, it was about God. Like, I want to do this because I want to share the gospel. Or God, I want to I live out this gospel message with people around me. I want to be a light in a dark place. And we have forgotten that this is the intent, the heart of God. So now He's using different things in our lives so that we may be able to say, God, this is your heart. Help me to be a part of your mission and your purpose. As we look at God's intent for His mission, how is He working? What is He doing? And I'm praying that His priority and His providence is something that will direct us more to the purpose that He has for us. I want to take this time and just have us get into some huddle groups. And one of the reasons why we want to do this is not only just having you sit there and just watch me talk, but we want some engagement where you can talk with one another and just share some of the things that you're going through because that's going to be a great opportunity even at the end to be able to pray for one another as you share different things from your heart. If you're there alone watching, I just want to encourage you to take this time to just listen to the Holy Spirit. What is He speaking to you about? And the huddle group questions are, are these. It says this, first of all, number one, in God's providence, was there a person or a circumstance that helped you to know who Christ is? Or maybe just helped you to know more about Christianity or what it means to follow Christ? The second question is, why is it easy to forget or lose sight of sharing the gospel with others, which is God's purpose for us? 
So just sharing about why is it easy to lose focus and lose the sight of the purpose in our lives. So I wanted to give you about six, six and a half minutes. And so we don't have much time, so just just jump right into it and just share. And so um, we'll let you know when we're getting closer to about maybe 30 seconds to let you know. And then so we can come back together and finish off with point number two. So have a blessed time as you go ahead and go into a time of sharing with one another. I hope you had a good time um, just sharing with one another as we talked about the intent of God's mission. Let me go ahead and close out with the second point as we talk about how God has given us a mission to fulfill and that's why we have to passionately do His will. Not only the intent of God's mission, but we see the impact of God's mission. I'm going to go ahead and read the next two verses and as we turn to these two verses, we'll see just this idea of the impact of God's mission upon the disciples and the followers of Christ and what that means for us. And it says this, And when the Israelites heard this, or excuse me, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Let's just pause here and finish off with this point. Uh, There are two things that should happen once the gospel message is received. The first thing that we notice is there will be gratitude. That there will be gratitude. When the Gentiles, the non-Jews, they heard that God had a purpose for them. They They rejoiced, it says here, and they glorified God's word. Now more specifically, in verse 48, Bravo, we see the phrase, As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Now, it's important to understand that word appointed. That word appoint has this connotation of to determine or to designate or to assign, to arrange. And this is why the other translations for the word appoint uses these words. In the King James Version, it says ordained. The New Revised Standard Version says destined. And the New Century Version says chosen. Why is this so important? Because once again, it's you tie it in with what we shared earlier, God's intent about His mission, that not only is it a priority, but it's the providence of God, that He is working things in our lives. Let me just pause here and just help us to kind of see the bigger picture. One of the things that we share all the time is that we cannot save ourselves. And the humanist or the humanistic mindset that says, if I just do enough of the right things, if I'm good enough, then somehow God will find favor with me. And that is completely against what we believe is the gospel message. The gospel message is very simple that you and I, there is nothing good in us. We cannot save ourselves. Even having faith, that has to be a gift from God. And that's why when we think about words like ordained or chosen, and determined, and I gave you all these other words, a destined, appointed. It is not something that we do, but it is the work of God. And this is the reason why when Paul understood this gospel message, he realized that there was nothing that he did. In fact, he did everything to go against Christianity. And in Acts chapter 9, God had to sovereignly and in his providence come and to blind him so that he will be able to then give his life over to Jesus Christ. 
That's a story for many of us. And that's my own story, my own personal journey. That there is nothing that I did. In fact, if there's anything I did, it's I chose to rebel against Him. But God in His mercy and God in His grace reached out to me. Even when I was not looking for Him, He brought different circumstances, brought different people to my life so that I will be able to understand the gospel message. Not because I'm intelligent or somehow I was able to figure this out by myself, but it was a revelation that God has given to me and that I needed Jesus, that I needed to repent of my sins, that I needed to confess that He is Lord. And this is the reason why Paul, in other letters, gave the same idea of being chosen, predetermined by His grace and His grace alone. Let me uh, read to you Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, and also verse 11. Please read the yellow highlighted with me. It says this, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Do you see this? That Paul understood as he was sharing with the people of Ephesus, there is nothing that I did, nothing that you did, that it was predestined by God according to His purpose, to His will. Even to the people of Rome, in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 through 30, he writes this, and read the yellow highlighted with me. It says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So once again, when we receive something that we do not deserve and that we do not receive what we do deserve, which is His wrath, we notice that our hearts will be filled with gratitude. Just think about all the times when your heart was filled with thankfulness or gratefulness. Um, maybe when you screwed up, but you were shown mercy. And that oftentimes fill our hearts with just the sense of gratitude. Uh, when you think about when you unexpectedly receive something that's free, that you didn't deserve, but you received it, uh, we get grateful and thankful in our hearts. Not only being grateful, but I think it humbles us and reminds us that it's not about us. This is the impact of God's mission in our lives. Just think about your salvation story. What did you do to earn salvation? What did you do that God should have been gracious and patient with you? What did you do that caused God to love you? In fact, everything tells us that He shouldn't have loved us. He should have banished us away because of our rebellion and our sin. But He loved us in spite of all these things because we don't deserve His grace and His mercy. Think about many other people who have yet to experience this gospel message. We want to live with gratitude, and we want others to experience this as well. This is why when we think about the intent of God's mission, we also have to think about the impact that it will have on not only our lives, filling our hearts with gratitude, 
but thinking about the impact that it will have on those people who have yet to experience and who do not know Jesus Christ at this time. I was just thinking about what drove me to surrender my life and to give myself to God's mission. What caused me to say, God, like I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to serve you. I want to be able to uh, be a part of this purpose. Give me the privilege of being a part of this purpose. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about my first missions project back in 1989. Uh, I went to Africa, in, in Kenya, Africa, and just thinking about my experience there. Just God literally, He completely turned my world upside down. He gave me a vision and a picture of His heart that goes beyond my little world. And this is the reason why we always try to offer missions projects in our church because we believe that it can transform your life. I want to just encourage us to be praying for our team. Uh, we're praying that the doors will open up. We don't know what's going to happen. and I'm, I'm encouraging you to even be able to pray for them and support them financially so they can go. Uh, and we're believing by faith that God will open up this door so they can go to Thailand and be a blessing there. I, I think about... All the baptism that I had the privilege of witnessing, being in the pool, or even just baptizing these brothers and sisters. When I think about them, my heart is just filled with gratitude. Realizing that when we live for God's mission, and we do it with a purposefulness and say, God, this is what you called me to do, to glorify you, to honor you in this way, to be the light, to share this gospel message. The impact of it upon your life you will be filled with humility and gratitude. So not only gratitude as we talk about impact, but we will see here there will be growth. So not only gratitude, but there will be growth. In verse 49, as I have read, we see that the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. The message translation of verse 49 says this, And this message of salvation spread like wildfire all through the region. Can you imagine like a wildfire? If you want to look at it even as a pandemic, it just starts and it just begins to spread and it begins to grow. And it goes from one place to even regions. This is what happens when we begin to understand God's intent for His mission and that it has this kind of impact in our lives. Not only are we filled with gratitude, now we're saying, God, like, what is it that you want us to do? That we want to serve Him. And that means that we're going to go to wherever He wants us to go. We'll do whatever He wants us to do. And that's how His mission begins to spread and it begins to grow. I think the greatest advertisement for what God is doing in our church is transformed lives. Even though we have a great social media team and people who are doing all the publications and all that, the greatest advertisement we have for our church is lives that are being transformed and people who are experiencing genuine gospel change in their lives. That's when people are going to say, what is going on? There's something different about you. I've known you for all these years, but something's happening. Your priorities are different. The things that you value are different. The, the countenance on your face, something is different about you. There's greater joy I've never seen you do those kind of things before, but now you're really getting your hands dirty and getting involved in loving people. You weren't like that. Like Those are the things that help us to understand that, that those are the things that spread the gospel message. 
And when we think about that, we can't help but to think about some of the people that we know and the people that we love that have yet to experience this. This is the power of the gospel. And that's why we have to go to them. And we have to share the good news. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15 in the message translation says this, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That's why scripture exclaims, a sight to take your breath away, grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. Man, what, when I was reading this, I'm like, that is such a visual picture. The, a sight to see that will take away your breath. Where there's going to be a whole line of people just gathering together as they experience the gospel message. I pray that we will experience that, not only for ourselves, but in our church and for many of you, wherever you are. What would it be like if the gospel spread like wildfire here in Hong Kong? What would it be like if this gospel message started spreading into your workplace? Maybe it just starts with one coworker, and but it begins to spread. Maybe just from one other roommate that you have on campus, and it begins to spread to different classrooms, and the campus being won over for Jesus Christ. How about us this morning? Do you have this heart of gratitude for God's work in your life? Not only from salvation, but even now, in this process of Him changing you and transforming you from deep within. I'm wondering if you're able to envision what life would look like if you surrendered yourself to His mission. I think for many of us, as you're watching and you're hearing me, is that you haven't experienced the impact of God's mission is because you are still holding on to your life. You're still living for yourself rather than God's purpose and God's mission. This is the reason why there's a growing sense of emptiness and weariness because everything is about you rather than saying, God, this is your intent for your mission. This is your impact that you can make in people's lives if we will surrender ourselves to him. This is the task that God wants us to fulfill. And we've got to do it passionately as we do his will. So the one thing, once again, is that God gave us a mission to fulfill. So let's passionately do his will. Can I just give us three quick things for us to apply even this coming week? And I want to encourage you, if, if some of you are feeling, I don't really have a sense of purpose. What is it that God wants me to do? Uh, I think these three steps will help you in that process. First of all is this, abandon your self-centered life. I don't know how else to say this. The more you make it about you, the less you're going to understand the purposes of God. It is not about you. It's not about all the great dreams that you have. And I'm not saying God is not a, a dream caster. He, he is not uh, against the things that you feel like God has placed in your heart. I pray that you will achieve all those things in Jesus' name. But I think for many of us, it's too often a very self-centered dream. And I will go as far as to say this. I think your dream is too petty and too small. You have to understand, we, we serve this incredible and infinite God 
And if you think about this, just to think that there's so much that He has for us and even for our church. To think about that His vision and His mission is far greater than anything that you can do on your own. Even if you were to come, become the most famous person in the world and the richest person in the world, you still will not even come close to His greater vision and mission. So abandon your self-centered life. I think one of the best ways to do it is to be in a spirit of prayer. To be able to have other people around you, to challenge you, to help you in that process. And to just start experiencing the freedom as you abandon your self-centered life to realize, wow, maybe this is God's heart. Maybe this is what He wants me to do. The second thing is this, acquire God's vision and uh, God's heart and His vision. And once again, one of the best ways to acquire that is to read the Bible. And as you begin to pray, what is it that he's doing all throughout scripture? What is the end goal? As you're reading this, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because he will give you his heart. And then he will give you the vision of how you ought to carry it out. And each one of us, we're going to do different things. But when we come together and do it for the glory of God, that's when God not only will use us powerfully, but His name will be glorified. And the last thing, not only abandon your self-centered life, acquire God's heart and vision, but lastly, ask God to use you. I don't think there is anything wrong to say, God, here I am, just completely empty. I give myself to you. Here's my life, my one life to live, and I ask you to use it. Just like that sinful woman who broke that alabaster jar of perfume. There's no turning back. Once it's broken, everything's spilled over. To be able to say, God, here's my life, broken before you. Use it for your glory. And this is when I believe that God's going to do some great things. As we close this morning, I want us to just watch this video. Um, there's a Christian contemporary group called Sela, And they went over to the Middle East somewhere. And they were just out just sharing God's love and using their gift of voice and music. And this video is just another reminder of God's heart. And the song is Be, uh, B-E. And so being His voice, being His hand, um, just being His heart wherever we go, that we can share the love of Christ. And the backdrop of the song is not only somewhere in the Middle East, the backdrop of this song is kind of in the context of this one Muslim convert who actually came to know Jesus Christ. And she's sharing her life and how that has compelled her now because she's experienced this gospel message that she wants to share it with many of other people that she knows that do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that that will be our heart. So let's watch this together and then I'll come back and lead us in a time of prayer. I hope you were blessed by that song and just a testimony that was shared. And this is the calling of every Christ follower, is to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and to follow Him. And wherever that will lead, and sometimes the cost is very great. And this is the reason why one of the practical applications, learning how to abandon our self-centered lives because it's no longer about you about my dreams or what I want but we have to start asking God what is it that you you want 
What is it that you're doing around the world that I want to be a part of? And this is the reason why until we are able to live with this mission close to our hearts, we will never find our purpose. You can find things that you enjoy doing, but after a while, it's not going to bring that satisfaction that is something greater than yourself. But how exciting would it be if through your gifts, through the talents and through all your experiences in your life, that God can actually use that to advance his kingdom for his glory and for his honor. That's why he has given us his mission. And that's something that he's going to fulfill. But he invites us in to be a part of that. And that's why we have to passionately do his will. We can't do it on our own. We need to depend on him, trust in him. I think about everything that's going on now. And honestly, I, I'm, sometimes I'm wondering, God, how, how are you going to use this? How is this going to help? How are we going to advance forward? And those are the times I'm looking too much at myself and too much around the things around that's happening here. But that's when I have to get into that prayer, just time of worship, get my eyes away from things around me to look up. And as I look to Him, that's when I'm able to experience a renewed hope, renewed strength, renewed focus. That's what we need. Some of you, you need that at the workplace. Some of you need that as you finish off this semester and this year. Some of you are graduating and you're going to be looking for jobs and it's a difficult time to find jobs. But can you trust Him? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to live out His mission for His glory? I believe that when you're able to do that, you will experience greater things that God has for you. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.